This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is based on the Four Faith Weekly Devotional sent out every Friday. You can find this week's link to Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in the episode's description. Bishop, this week's devotion you entitled, Hello, Darling, and it is just an excerpt, and it's not just anything. Let me just be clear. (laughs) (laughs) It is a letter from Dr. King to his wife, Coretta, his his pregnant wife, after being away from her for uh, four months. And I read it, and I wept, and I thought to myself, gosh, like, I want to live like Dr. King. Um, and, and, and also I want to, I want to live like Coretta King. You know, there are people, I don't always have to be the person in the front. I can support other people doing amazing work, right? There's so many feels, so many thoughts that I have after reading this. And I'm curious why, why did you choose this? Why now? Yeah. So, so a couple of things, uh, I'm working out some of my agenda. I'll just be very honest with, with this letter. And one of, one of the pieces of my agenda is, is that Dr. King is not this superior spiritual athlete. He, he's a guy. He's a guy who has some gifts and talents, and he offers them. Uh, and he struggles. He struggles to find meaning sometimes. He gets disappointed. He gets depressed. Uh, he's a husband and uh, and a dad, uh, and I think that he's most useful to us when we think of him that way. If we put him on a pedestal, he's out of reach, and it becomes something that we can't uh, we can't emulate and we can't follow. Really, he becomes this sort of uh, figurine on a shelf. Uh, and then my other agenda item on this is that uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to Coretta. Mm-hmm that never really gets expressed um, about how she was the backbone of this family and how without her own theology and her own deep and abiding faith and her own you know, gigantic heart, uh, we meet a much more diminished Martin King, someone who probably doesn't have the capacity to hold steady. I mean, during the Montgomery bus boycott, King wanted to give up. And it was Coretta who said, no, we've come too far. You know, honey, you know, <laughs> go take a shower, get back in the game. Uh, that's Coretta. And so, so when I found this letter, by the way, it was a letter that I had not read previously. And I thought I had read most of the stuff, if not all of the stuff. It really touched my heart. I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a husband. And uh, to think that he is he and, and I also like the fact that it's DeKalb County, that it's Atlanta. Uh, I mean, he's talking about things, you know, uh, that that are uh, familiar to us. Uh, he gets snatched from his jail cell at 4 a.m. How terrifying would that have been for a black man in 1960 in Georgia? Mm. Um, and, and he writes letters from jail in the way that the Apostle Paul does. But it's the heart of this. I, I think given COVID, given the world as it is right now, I thought it would have been really, it would have fallen flat to just pick some of his soaring rhetoric and push that out this year. I think what we have to do this year, maybe more than any other year, is enable the heart. 
So, so uh, the King's birthday celebration is an occasion for us to remember his heart uh, and his, the heart of his wife, and that at the heart of him was his family. And if you, if you read on to the last bit, that he, he doesn't know. Right. He doesn't, he's not <laughs> right. sure, but he's going to exert faith. And, he, and he's taking a risk. He's rolling the dice, and he says, if I'm correct, right, and if, if, if you know, God is going to reward undeserved suffering, then our suffering won't be in vain, and we will serve Atlanta and make Georgia a better state and America a better country. I mean, it's all in there for me. Yeah. When you were talking about bringing Dr. King down, um, I'd say the same thing about Jesus too, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the people we admire most, sometimes we do put them on this pedestal and it becomes, it becomes uh, something that we can't obtain because we somehow, we, we say we want them to be a living example and an example is something that we should be imitating, but we put them such a high pedestal that, that therefore it becomes impossible to achieve. And, and so I really like the idea of just making choices. What choices are we making daily to impact our local world and our local uh, community to make it a better thing? And, and, and so I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Bishop Wright, if you could explain how we go about bringing people down a bit so that we're not using them as a, a guiding post, something that we can never obtain or achieve. But how do we do that? How do we make them more personable? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us just, you know, I mean, when it comes to Dr. King, I think uh, a lot of us just sort of snatch snippets, right? And and we don't sort of read deeply into people's lives. And, you know, um, a lot of people don't want to know the details. I'm, I'm fascinated by his journey as a, as a youngster here in Atlanta and then uh, how he worked in New England in summers and then off to Morehouse and... I've, I've had the good uh, fortune to know some of his boyhood friends uh, and, and certainly friends in ministry. And, and so that's where his sacrifice and service to our country really come alive to me because he's, he's a guy. And if you read his papers, uh, there are any number of, of times when uh, the academy, my own alma mater, Howard University, wanted him to come and be the president or uh, Riverside Church in New York wanted him to come to be the pastor. So leave this dangerous life of travel, of bomb threats, of stabbings, of uh, withering criticism, of of, of, uh, of violence and slights to his children and to his wife. Uh, there many of he could have took many exits off of that highway. Um, and certainly he never had to say anything about the Vietnam War. Uh, he could have just been the bathroom and buses you know, sort of pastor and civil rights guy. But, but you know, he kept making these choices. He kept making the, you know, as I like to say, he kept deciding to be inconvenienced by God. And, uh, and, and, and I think to, to me, um, that makes me think about my and your next choice about how we're going to spend our time, about, you know, who we're going to serve, about what we're going to say, about the silence we're going to keep, the collusion we're going to keep going. Uh, and that's when I think he's most useful to us. I mean, his wife is pregnant. 
I mean, certainly none of us would have criticized him by saying, hey, man, stay home with your wife and your young babies uh, and, you know, and, and write us some wonderful treatises from your, from your comfortable study. Nobody would have criticized him for that. Um, or, you know, I mean, so and, and, you know, there's Dr. King, but then there's countless men and women whose names we'll never know who made, you know, what seemed like uh, small choices, but faithful choices that have given us the ability to to do some of the things that we're able to do in America right now. They've given us the America, flawed though it is, they've given us the America that we have now, which is better than the America uh, during the time of this letter writing by Dr. King. And so it is is small choices. Jesus stops to talk to kids. He stops to talk to people who have pre-existing health conditions called leprosy. Uh, He stops to talk to women uh, who have been trapped and caught in adultery um, and, and, and the misogyny implied in this in one particular woman's uh, death sentence because of adultery. He stops, he stops, he stops. He makes a choice to stop. And King does these choices all along. And that's fascinating to me because, again, it's not some sort of uh, spiritual eliteness that he exerts. Uh, it is... You know, when he starts off, it is a 29-year-old seeking to serve a, a black middle-class congregation in Montgomery, and then this thing falls in his lap called the Montgomery Bus Boycott. He doesn't step forward to lead it. All the other pastors in town mm-hmm. step back. Well, I, you know, I have a confession to make, and I'm going to share that confession with you after a short break. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Bishop, before the break, I mentioned that I have a confession to make. And I'm a little embarrassed. Okay. I, I'm a little embarrassed because I was was listening to you speaking and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this confession. And then you kept talking and I'm like, oh my gosh, but I don't know if I should make it. <laughs> but I'm going to. So I've always thought it was sexy to go to jail. <laughs> that is so funny. I've always like my bucket list, and I joke with some people in the church that I have going to jail as a bucket list. Being arrested is on my bucket list. And I thought, what a juvenile, ridiculous notion. But as you were talking, I thought, yeah, I was getting caught up in the sexiness and all of this. But your last line before the break, you said, Dr. King didn't necessarily step up everybody else stepped back. And it was the choices he made that kind of just like, it was the opportunities that fell into his lap. And by opportunities, I'm not saying they were great, but he said yes. And I, I just, my, it's, I don't even know how to frame this question correctly. It's a big one. And I feel like it's the only one that we're going to talk about in the second half. How, how do we find the gumption or the grit or the courage to say yes, because as much as I want to be pr- arrested, I'm I question my bravery to to step up when those opportunities arise. And so I'm curious if you have any thoughts or encouragement to give people. Um, I don't know. I don't know what is it is it courage? Like how do we find that to say yes and make that choice when it's given to presented to us? Well, yeah, I've never quite heard anybody say that the jail is sexy, so that was that was new for me. It's not, of course. I, you know, it's the idea of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, you know, I, I'll just say this. I mean, um, uh, you know, of course, we had an Episcopal seminarian uh, that was killed, um, Jonathan Daniel in Haneyville, uh, Alabama. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we went down there and we, we marked his his martyrdom and, and all that sort of stuff. And we saw the, the building where he was uh, in prison and then let out and then uh, tragically ultimately shot to death. And, and, you know, uh, when I think about the prison, especially then I think about how scary it was because you could have been yanked out of jail at, at any hour of the day or night and lynched mm-hmm. on the courthouse mm-hmm. steps, uh, white or black, Jonathan Daniels happened to be white. Um, if you were there in service to civil rights and equality and dignity for every human being. And so, so for me, it's not just the jail. It's also realizing that, you know, in, in our history, uh, law enforcement and the Ku Klux Klan have been one in the same in too many instances, especially in the South. Uh, and so, and so it wasn't, it wasn't that we were, you know, incarcerated, but protected under the, you know, the rule of law. It was the rule of law was making concessions to racism and white supremacy. And that made it very, very dangerous. And that was the, the incarceration of Dr. King uh, all along is that it wasn't protection under the law. Uh, it was, it was this other factor, which makes it very, very dangerous. I go, I go to, uh, Jackson Diagnostic Prison. That's the only place we kill people in the state mm-hmm. of Georgia, which we call capital punishment, which I call capital uh, lynching mm-hmm. and murder. Um, and, and and those bars closing behind you, you know, they 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 send shivers down my spine every time. And and even though I know I'm going to get out, <laughs> you know, after a couple of hours of visiting, but but, but I, I guess what I want to say is is that the question in response to your question is, is that. How far will you go uh, uh, to live out the courage of your convictions? I mean, I think this is what this letter is saying. I mean, there's no, there's no press here. There's no, there's no, he's not trying to encourage the troops here he, in, in this letter, but he's just saying to his wife, you know, that basically my conviction is, is that we've got to make Atlanta and Georgia and America better. And he's willing to go what he calls excessive suffering for himself and his family to to serve that purpose. And so uh, some of us are not called to go to jail. Some of us might be. Um, All of us are called to visit the jail, according Mm -hmm. to Jesus, and to visit visit the prisoner. But the question really for 2021 for all of us is, is that as a follower of Jesus, how far are you willing to go? Yeah. Right. So that so I always say there's like a mathematical equation. Right. So we have horizontal assurance. Right. Uh, We look upward and we find that we are beloved in God's eyes and and that we are valued and that we are never alone, that God is with us and that we are that we will live on even if the body expires. That's our horizontal assurance. Uh, And that is supposed to translate into vertical yeah, endure. Sorry, vertical assurance for horizontal endurance. So uh, the, the vertical notion that God is ours and we are God's and we belong to God's is supposed to sort of shake out into horizontal endurance. So I am able to go forward every day uh, to make progress in making uh, earth look more like heaven every day because of this horizontal endurance that comes from vertical assurance. That's one part of it. 
The other way to say the mathematical equation is, is that the, the height of our adoration for God is, is supposed to look like uh, the length of our oblation, right? And so, so what lengths are we willing to pour ourselves out? And, and I'm certainly not saying this is uh, personally as a poster child for anything. I'm just saying that, that those are the, the coordinates for the cross, right? Height and depth uh, and then length and breadth. And, and I think, you know, King, even in his brief letter, uh, one piece of a letter to his beloved wife with no cameras, no, no, no public gaze, is talking about the theology of the cross. He, he realizes that for Yoki, his eldest child, who's now dead, and Marty, uh, who I know, who's still with us, and Bernice, who was the baby in the tummy, uh, and Dexter, yet to be conceived and born, uh, he knew he knew that if he didn't uh, exert himself, follow his conscience and his heart, that the America and the Georgia and the Atlanta that they were going to inherit would be something much less. And so you're you're a mom, I'm a dad. Um, I mean, it, it may boil down to you know what kind of world do you want to give your beloved? Well, amen, amen, amen. Bishop, thank you. And thank you listeners for listening to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, share this episode with someone who could use it. And we'll be back with you next week.